Hey everyone, it's Eddie Kalegi reminding you that each and every episode of Sportspeak is powered by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a one-stop shop for tickets to concerts, sporting events, and so much more. And now you can use the promo code SPORTSPEAK on the site to get $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? SeatGeek, let there be live. And now on to the show. How's it going, everyone? Happy November. Hope you had a great Halloween and welcome to another edition of Sports Speak Live, episode 154, powered by SeatGeek. Use promo code SportsSpeak, one word, all caps, for $20 off your first purchase online. Eddie Kalegi here, Tim Moore taking the week off, but we do have the coach, Brett Hahn, in the building. Got a lot to talk about. He is a Rockets fan, so I want to get his take on the latest James Harden trade. We're going to talk about the World Series, too. The Texas Rangers, one win away from winning it all for the first time ever. Some turnover in the NFL. Josh McDaniels out as coach of the Raiders. Multiple quarterback changes. And the trade deadline is in the past. The Cowboys stand pat. The Niners and Eagles both make moves. We'll discuss. But we have to start with the Sports Speak Fantasy Football League, where I'm starting to feel a little better about my team. I've gotten back-to-back wins. I'm now at three and five on the year, and I play against Tropper this week. So all in all, I'm feeling okay about where my fantasy team stands. However, our guest from the Pee Wee Herberts at two and six, I don't think has to be feeling all that good because you have been pretty much in a free fall since like September. Am I two and six? Uh, I think, wait, are you two and six or are you three and five? I thought I was three and five. I, I, oh, I mean, I, I don't know, truthfully. You are three and five. You're, okay, you're, be- all right. I, you're like, better than I thought. Congratulations. Words. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But uh, I, I'm looking at your team right now, and there's one name that really jumps out, and that's Devontae Adams, who uh, is a great receiver but did absolutely nothing this past week, a lot of that because of Jimmy G. Oh, my God, dude. D- d- look. I feel like, and my, my my friends and I have a running joke about this because we, we, we do a $100 league with two flex spots. Every player I touch turns to stone. Every single player I, I touch in fantasy. This is the first year I, 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 just to put it in perspective, I have multiple teams. This is the first year I, I had a chance to draft Nick Chubb. I was very excited, looking forward to, you know, ha- having consistent running back play. He's always been a good yards per carry guy, uh, very efficient. You know, he, he, he's he got a workhorse role over there in Cleveland. What does he do? He, he, he Fs up his knee, tears like three three ligaments. I'm like, all right, well, that's great. And then th- this sports speak, uh, the gimmick draft, I felt really good. I mean, I, on paper last year, this team would have won a championship. Like, you know, I, Joel Mixon, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams, Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Addison, Evan Ingram, uh, Tajay Spears. You know, CJ Stroud, even who's like, you know, he's cooled down a little bit, but he's still a middle of the road quarterback. Like, but all all the pieces can't put it together. Like Joe Mixon, you know, he had a 20 point week last week, but before that, the highest he scored in the season was 14 and a half, having a very inefficient up and down campaign. Devontae Adams, the Las Vegas Raiders. Listen, I see why they made the decision at 2 a.m. last night to fire both McDaniels and Ziegler. They've been nothing short of disappointing. Um, Devonte Adams, he was targeted, I think seven or eight times last game, finished only a reception for 11 yards. There was visible disappointment on the sideline for him. And for me as a fantasy owner, I mean, he, he's done nothing <laughs> like these and for a team like in desperate need of wins, because it seems like all us Rutgers guys, Eddie, are just 
at the bottom of the barrel here. I don't know what the hell's going on. I know. On. I, I think it's rigged well. against us. I don't know what's going yeah. on here. It's absolutely ridiculous. I I, I mean, I got kind of lucky, and, and this isn't this isn't the throw shade because he's been going through the most in this league, and I feel really bad for him. I, I got lucky I played Alec last week. Okay. Like Alec Alec's been going through the ringer. I I feel really bad for bro. But I but I needed that as a get right game. <laughs> so bad. You know, but part of my, you know, big part of my fantasy struggles are, you know, it's the quarterback position, I guess, to a degree. And Devontae Adams, just where is he? Where'd he go? Yeah, for me, like, I've gotten back-to-back wins. I was all the way bottom of the barrel, beginning of the season. Uh, I play Tropper again this week, so that should be interesting. But I have had, I have had an interesting year as well. Again, not as bad as Alec. But, you know, you lose. I, I lost to Hoffman, which I should not have done. Um, I did beat you early in the season, but that was before things started to fall apart. But back-to-back wins, pretty convincing over Alec and Miniker. Uh, My team is coming together decently well right now. Uh, Sam Howell might actually move into my QB1 because he is scoring more points than Jared Goff, even though the Lions are the better team. Lions have a bye anyway this week. Um, running back is the thing that's a problem because I started Miles Sanders because he was back from injury. And for some reason, he only got two carries, zero yards, zero points. So Kareem Hunt now is in my starting lineup as one of my running backs. And I'm not getting any buys right now. All of my buys come up the next couple of weeks, which is going to be really bad in some ways. But with the way the gimmicks are, it might actually work out for me because then I can try to sign another running back. The thing that still really bothers me is that I put in a waiver claim first for Jalen Warren, not Zach Evans. And somehow Alec, even though I was ahead of him in the waiver order, got Jalen Warren. I got stuck with Zach Evans, who isn't even playing for the Rams. So it's like, what what, what kind of algorithmic logic is going on here, ESPN Fantasy? I put in a claim for him. I'm number one on the board. Give me Jalen Warren. So that that's why I'm still stuck with Kareem Hunt now as a starting running back. But he has found the end zone the last two weeks. So hopefully that will continue but let's stay in the nfl brett and talk about some other storylines uh trade deadline so the commanders fire sale they get rid of montez sweat for some reason the bears seem to add when they're bad and trade players away when they're good so explain that logic to me i don't know um but chase young is also gone and he's going to the 49ers so uh san francisco makes a big move the eagles added kevin byard safety from the Tennessee Titans because the Eagles only make trades with the Titans and the Saints it seems like but the Cowboys did nothing was this a mistake Dallas standing pat Ooh, I I I mean honestly yes because you know you know you got to contend with Philly who's arguably a top two team in that well not even arguably it's true they're they're a top two team in that conference right you they, they give you you know not they give you excuse me the Cowboys against better teams so far, we've seen a mixed bag, right? Like, you know, you, you get the LA Rams. Granted, I'm not saying they're world beaters, but they they were off to a surprising start offensively. Dallas dropped, and defensively even for that matter, Dallas dropped 43 on their head last week. That's because of a much improved play from Dak Prescott. But then you look at the other extreme, the 49ers game, right? An, an absolute massacre highlighted by defensive weaknesses weaknesses in you know in quarterback play you can argue that they might even they might need a second or a third receiver um maybe maybe more like a third uh because as good as brandon cooks was it's clear you know he's 
older now. Michael Gallup's still decent. CD's going to put up his stats. CD's unreal. But the, the the Cowboys need something else. Something's missing. That 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 spark. And for a team like Dallas, who it's pretty clear, you know, if you've been watching football over the years, that Dallas is never in rebuild mode ever. It doesn't matter where their team's at. They could trot me out there, a quarterback, and they'll still be looking to win a Super Bowl championship and buy at the deadline. But surprisingly, they didn't make any moves. Now, I correct me if I'm wrong, Eddie, but I, I don't think Dallas is really one to even make moves at the deadline to begin with. So I guess this is kind of on brand. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> excuse me, but you have to think like in your position and with so much talent on controllable salary, like CeeDee Lamb, uh, Tony Pollard's still on a cheap deal for right now, um, that they would want to take advantage of this window and that they should, even with the threat of Philadelphia looming. Yeah, I, I really think you have to if you're Dallas, if you're so – and I think the offense needed some sort of a bolster. I think the defense is fine. They've done a good job, and I know they're scoring 40 points against bad teams. They scored 10 against San Francisco. I don't know what to expect with this Eagles game this weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Tony Pollard is good, not great. I think the Cowboys should have tried to make a move to bring in an established running back. And I know the running back, you know, sort of market isn't there in free agency, but that doesn't mean you can't trade for one that's red hot right now and get him at a good value midseason to try to bolster that running back room. Because for the last few years when Dallas has been good, but still hasn't been able to sort of break through and get to the NFC championship, they had the pairing of Zeke and Tony Pollard. So you'd kind of want both of those uh, two running backs there. Zeke's gone. Tony Pollard's been all right this year. I would have liked to see them make a different move and kind of add to the table with another running back. So I think they're still lacking in terms of giving Dak Prescott weapons. Now they just put up 43 points against the Rams. Besides the Arizona game, they've taking care of business against the teams they should beat. But let's be honest, that's also on brand for the Cowboys. They'll have a couple of awful games against bad teams where they'll lose by multiple touchdowns, which is completely outclassed. Um, I remember that game against the Broncos where they were down like 30 to nothing a few years ago when Denver was really bad. Uh, I think when like Jeff Driscoll was their quarterback or something. So it's typical for Dallas, but The schedule is not easy for them or Philadelphia coming up. And that's where we segue Eagles and Cowboys this weekend. I'm very excited. I'm hopeful that T glass gets humbled. Skip Bayless gets humbled and the Eagles get the win. This is the first time since 2021. We're actually going to get Jalen hurts against Dak Prescott. Both times when they matched up last year, one team had a backup quarterback. What do you think? Eagles have looked vulnerable at times this season, but they've only lost one game. Dallas has done well against bad teams this year. One time against a good team, they lost by 32. Who do you have the edge going to Sunday night? Yeah, I just want to point out that one loss to the JETS. Jets, yes, Jets, I'm aware. Jets, good, good game and for the Jets. Yeah, that, that was an excellent statement game. But, yeah, I I, I feel like, honestly, and, and you know, that this might, I don't know, this might get some flack, but whatever. I feel like this game could go either way. Um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, how does Dallas win this matchup? It's how how do they establish their passing game early? You know, we, outside of Darius Slay, we haven't really seen a consistent performance from Philly's defensive back groups. Wide receivers have been lighting them up. Um, I believe, let me think, I think it was eight, it, it was six touchdowns in the last three games, I think, scored by receivers against the Eagles secondary. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a point uh, in which uh, Dallas needs to attack. 
Now, it's not easy because, as we've seen now with the addition of Jalen Carter, I don't know how that man fell. Um, this Philly defensive line is still very much a top five unit in the NFL. I mean, they're they're absolutely incredible. Their pass rush is something to uh, behold. Um, so I think for for Dallas, really, it's it's about finding, you know, finding the ability to get their passing game going early and really forcing uh, their forcing their Philly second level to drop back in the coverage more. Because if you because if if you're they're able to stack the box, it's game over. Like that's Philly's game. They're going to play an aggressive style of defense. Um, and looking at the opposite side, you know, kind of leading into the whole Eagles thing, you know, you just got to continue what you're doing. Figure out ways to get the ground game running. DeAndre Swift's going to be a huge component in this game. Um, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I mean the tush push. Like everybody's advocating to ban it, but nobody else could do it. I mean, that's a big part of. Philly's uh, Philly's repertoire here and very important for them. Brett had a little bit of technical difficulties, but the coach is back. Nothing stops the coach. He's here and let's, let's move forwards. Uh, Yeah. The Eagles Cowboys. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think Philly holds the advantage this time around. Uh, Big thing for Philly is now they're going to have a bye week right after where they can get healthy. Uh, I think when they play in Dallas though, next month, unless Dak gets hurt, I think Dallas is winning in Jerry world. I think this is another situation where these two teams will split and the home team will prevail in the two matchups, but the Eagles are in a really, really arduous six game stretch coming up here before they finish with the giants and Cardinals and the giants. Again, they play Dallas twice, Kansas city, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Seattle over the next six. That is not easy. If the Eagles can come out of this three and three, I'm very happy. I think if you can go with the Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Seattle games and split those four, ideally take the two home games, which I believe are Buffalo and San Francisco. If you lose at Arrowhead and you lose uh, against the 13th man in Can- in Seattle, you know, you'll be fine. I-, I think if you split Dallas, you're three and three in that stretch, you'd be sitting 10 and four on the year with three cupcake games games to finish out the season uh birds are in a good position but these next six not easy thankfully they get a bye week and get a full cup full two weeks to prepare actually 15 days to prepare for the chiefs on monday night football on november the 20th after this game with the cowboys but it should be a good one now brett the new york jets have found a way now that was one of the worst football games I've ever seen played on Sunday. Thomas Morstead, the infamous butt punter, uh, was in prime punting form, and uh, so was Jamie Gillen for the Giants. And they combined for what, like twenty-four punts or something in the first half, something absurd like that. Um, it was ridiculous, and the Giants ended up choking that game away. Zach Wilson actually led a really nice drive to get the game-tying field goal. And then Greg Leg wins it in overtime and the Jets win 13-10. And all of a sudden the Jets are sitting here four and three. And we keep seeing the videos of Aaron Rodgers on the field throwing passes. If the Jets can at least tread water, they can get to nine and eight. They have a real shot to steal a wild card spot. And if Aaron Rodgers is ready, you know he's going to be out there and trying to win a Super Bowl. Dude, uh, before, before we go into the Rogers speculation, first and foremost, like I, I just want to say I, I completely agree with you. That game on Sunday was an abomination. I am so happy I was driving back from Ohio and I could only listen to the radio because I bet you if I was watching that, I would have lost my absolutely lost my mind. To, to put it into perspective, how bad it was, um, 
Eddie and I are both in a, a fantasy football punter league on ESPN, one that I am the commissioner for. Each punter for the team at over 80 points. I forgot to look at that. I was curious how many yeah. they got. I was versing Jamie Gillen. He had 80.9, and Tommy Morstead had 82.3. A brutal, absolutely brutal performance. But great if you're a fan of punting or if you're in this fantasy football league. But, you know, kind of going back to the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, yes, we, we've seen a lot of videos. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm impressed that he can put weight on the foot already when he's dropping back to throw. I think that's the biggest thing because when he was first thrown, everybody was like, oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers throwing already. But, yeah, you could throw. It's just how much of your motion can you complete? You know, and for Rodgers, he's able to get a decent drop back going. Granted, he's not able to jog. He's still walking and he's still walking into it and uh, hoisting back the throw. But that's still light years ahead of where most people are in this stage of recovery, especially if you're a 39-year-old quarterback. You know, for the Jets – you know, you alluded to it earlier, Eddie. The key is to stay afloat and hopefully push for one of those wild card spots. I'm going to be honest with you. The way Zach Wilson and that offense plays is an absolute nightmare. Every, every week is a matter of can the offense do enough? Because the de- I feel bad for the defense and special teams, man. They they re- Their backs are really hurting right now. Like, that is the only reason why we, ha- we have four wins. The Jets' offense is ranked 32nd in the NFL, and I'm – you know, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. And two or three of Zach Wilson's, I think it's two of Zach Wilson's passing touchdowns are off of one, that dump off of Brees Hall, which we are lucky because the Giants just missed every tackle in sight from what I've under, what I've come to understand. And the Garrett Wilson slant that he took to the house. That, those take no effort. All, all these Jets fans in, in the comment sections and, you know, through text message, texting me like, oh, Zach Wilson's looking so much better. Like, bro, just watch watch a full game of film. I, I, I'm going to say this till the day he's off the team. Or if he randomly becomes Patrick Mahomes, whatever. He is trash. You are not winning games with this guy. I want 2010 Mark Sanchez back before I want this man as my quarterback. So I'm praying to God the Jets can hold the line. But I'm going to be honest with you, like, every game looks more and more stressful. And the fact that we lost to Don Bosco, or we won by three points against Don Bosco legend Thomas DeVito. That's concerning. Bryce Petty or Zach Wilson? That's tough. Bru- oh, dude, oh, that's actually I mean, he's a legend. Baylor University. Yeah, he said Madden made him a better quarterback. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget him. He said Madden made him a better quarterback. Then he played like three or four games, and then he was out of the league. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd probably uh, – I'd probably go with Bryce. Really? Actually. Yeah, because <laughs> at least he can actually push the ball downfield. Yeah. Uh, the Jets have just had such a miserable history of quarterbacks just over the last 10 years. Really, since Mark Sanchez. I- I'm just thinking of some of these names. Christian Hackenberg. Uh, what, Greg McElroy, didn't he play for the Jets at some point? Yep. Uh, of course, the Sam Darnold Odyssey. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is arguably the biggest bright spot of a Jets quarterback besides the four plays Aaron Rodgers played over the last 10 years. And that's when Fitzmagic is your bright spot at quarterback over a 13-year span. That is not good. Far from it. That and Josh McCown, the the one year he had, I think it was 2018 or 2019. Like, those Mm -hmm. are the only two quarterback years that we are genuinely excited for. The rest of it's just been absolutely disappointing. So one team that might be a little disappointed right now, shifting to the NBA, 
is the Philadelphia 76ers with all that happened with James Harden. And now Harden gets dealt. The Clippers have a 2015 all-star team of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George. I don't see that going very far no matter what because nobody besides Westbrook can stay healthy. Westbrook and Harden are both kind of insane in their own ways. I I don't see that working at all. But the Sixers didn't get a ton back for James Harden. And I think this really signals something. So I posted an article last week on the website, uh, sports-speak.com, the plug. Um, I really talked about how I think James Harden is kind of becoming Kyrie Irving and maybe even worse than that, because at least when Kyrie Irving uh, shows up and is on the court, he plays and he plays well. James Harden, when he just gives up, he does not give 100% effort. You can have all your critiques of Kyrie Irving and his opinions and the reasons he misses games and all that. But when Kyrie Irving is suiting up and steps on the floor for your team, you can trust that he is going to give 100% effort and he's going to put up a good game. James Harden has been free-falling in his ability for the last four years. It's been getting worse and worse. He was exposed multiple times in that series against Boston and now for the third time in three years forces his way out of somewhere. Brett, I know you're a Rockets fan, and that's where this all culminated at the beginning of the 2020-2021 season. I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. I dealt with it myself. Now the Nets get Ben Simmons for James Harden. Suddenly Ben Simmons is the guy who's playing. And James Harden, after he wanted to stay a Sixer for so long, wanted to be a Sixer for three years. Now he wanted out and he gets traded. And because of all of this building up, the Sixers don't get all that much back. Oh, great. They get Robert Covington, a star of the 2014 Philadelphia 76ers back. Plus, you give up P.J. Tucker, who for some reason is just tied to James Harden and just gets sent wherever James Harden goes. Um, What do you make of this latest move from both the Sixers perspective and the Clippers? And do you really see any value left in James Harden as a player at this stage of his career? Well, to answer the second, I'll start with the second part of your question. It depends on how locked in he is, because at this stage of his career, you've seen his playmaking improve. I mean, he averaged double digits assists last year. He's somebody where if he's locked into playing team oriented basketball, he still carries immense value. And we've seen that shift in him over the last two seasons. You know, that Houston, that Houston Rockets isolation, James Harden is a thing of the past, even though it was quite impressive to watch as a fan. Um, The biggest thing with that though is being locked in now you've alluded to eddie this is third team the last four years um you you know the first team you're like you know okay houston you know their playoff runs are over you know james harden's getting older not younger he kind of needs to go to a team where he's ready to win a ring now he got very close to houston but can he get back to that point then he get he gets to brooklyn He's teamed up with Kyrie Irving, who's the biggest moron in the history of sports, and and Kevin Durant, right? Which that team, you know, if if they're all healthy at one time and could have made a push. Kevin Durant, as we all know in that series against the Bucs, was literally a toenail away from changing the entire trajectory of the series, right? But outside of that, there wasn't really anything of value. James Harden, again, getting fed up with his teammates, and we have Kyrie on your team. I really don't blame him. Um, and then you know, makes his way over to Philly. In Philly, you know, sure, you don't have the super super, uh, team, so to speak, that you did in Brooklyn, but you still have a really competent team, right? You got a solid three-headed horseman. Bede's one of the best centers in the league, probably top two, only behind Jokic. You got James Harden, who was a perfect compliment for him. He hasn't really had that level of success in the pick and roll since he was with Clint Capella a few years prior. And 
Embiid is like absolutely clear as Clint Capella in almost every single statistical category and me- defensive metric there is. So it, it, you can argue that's an upgrade there and what was already an area of strength for Harden's game. Tyrese Maxey has really come into his own. He's an incredible player. P.J. Tucker was an excellent glue guy. Um, George's Niang, who's now with the Cleveland Cavaliers, great backup stretch big. And Paul Reed even, you know, that, that was a player I really liked on uh, the Philly. Paul Reed, very underrated piece, a little undersized for a center, but very, very competent. Um, Philly has for some reason, I just want to say Doc Rivers just refused to play Paul Reed last year, even when Embiid was out, when Embiid was in foul trouble, for some reason, he just had a vendetta against Paul Reed. Right. Which is absolutely ridiculous. Cause he, he, he gave me like, he, I don't know. He, he reminded me in a way of Kenneth Fareed. If Kenneth Fareed had more motivation in him, very energetic, can run the floor, you know, competent mid-range player, very, very, very aggressive on the hustle plays. I mean, that's, you, you need every player like Paul Reed on your team. You need a player or two or three, you know? So why Doc Rivers didn't play him? I don't know. It's why Doc Rivers is out of a coaching job, but that that's a whole different conversation. Um, But going back to the, you know, going back to the James Harden point, you know, it, it, it really just depends on him at this point, because once you got to the third team, you're like, all right, like he's, he's starting to become a little bit of a diva for me with Harden being one of my favorite players. It's tough to, or, I don't even know if he is now because he's just become such a diva, man. Like, like it's hard. It, it's hard to root, root for the guy, but he, he he can still play ball. As for the Clippers, I completely agree with you that, that every 2014, 2015 uh, NBA fan would be like, wow, this team is loaded. This team is insane. But that's, that's nine, eight, nine years ago at this point, right? Like, they – you know, it, it all it all depends on health. Paul George has had his fair share of troubles. Kawhi just plays when he feels like it. You know, he, he's tuned out. And honestly, I don't blame him. Um, you know, you got Russell Westbrook, who was god-awful as a member of the Rockets and really, like, after his Wizards days, is really, it's really not useful anywhere besides a bench role, which he doesn't want. And James Harden, where does James Harden fit? I feel like right here, you're, you're talking these four guys – Three of them, three, you can argue that two or three of them are ball-dominant players. Where do three ball-dominant players fit in an offensive timeshare? It creates a lack of spacing. It creates a lack of ball movement. And defensively, well, not actually, no, not defensively, excuse me. It creates a lack of ball movement, creates a lack of spacing. And most importantly, it slows down the tempo on your offense. And in, a, in an NBA where tempo and transition play is becoming increasingly more important. You got to wonder how four old guys, uh, three of them being ball dominant players are going to fit in together. And I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now what has worked and let's uh, finish this, our last sports topic here, baseball, Uh, the Texas Rangers, despite losing Max Scherzer, who's been completely useless to them in the postseason, And as a Mets fan, I enjoy seeing that and losing Adolis Garcia, who had been the best player this entire postseason, on a swing in game four, game three, excuse me, they win game four. And now we're a win away from winning it all. And the Texas Rangers have never done that before, despite being in this position multiple times before. And we all remember what happened back in 2011, but they now have a commanding three, one lead and seem to be doing everything right, Brett. And it's funny. A lot of Met fans sort of 
you know, were critical of the idea when Jacob deGrom said he went to the Texas Rangers because he wanted to win. And people were like, oh, this is a Texas Rangers team that's won 65 to 70 games a year the last four years. And what's happened? They're a win away from the World Series. And it's almost like I know a lot of it was because with DeGrom, A, he didn't want to be in New York anymore, and B, they offered him a crazy amount of money. And you can't say either of those things in a press conference. So you go with winning as a default. But it's almost like he also had some forethought because the Rangers made a lot of really positive moves this offseason. This pitching rotation, you bring in Monty at the trade deadline, you add Nate Evaldi, who no matter how old he is, is an elite performer in the playoffs, regardless of what role he is, whether he's a starter, a reliever. Andrew Heaney has turned his career around over the last couple of years. That bullpen has been serviceable. Aroldis Chapman hasn't blown anything up too badly for them in the bullpen. Um, and then you got Seeger and Simeon, who, yeah, both got paid ridiculous hauls, but they're living up to it. And the youngsters, Evan Carter, Josh Young, Jonah Heim, all coming together, making big plays for Texas. And the Rangers are a win away. Like, how are they doing this? I mean, they were able to beat the Astros. Of course, the Diamondbacks, a shocker to be able to come out of the National League. I think the Rangers were a little bit favored going into this series, but they have taken firm control besides game two when Merrill Kelly shut them down. Yeah, and you, you alluded to it, Eddie. The biggest thing here is the consistency in their starting rotation. That was a concern in the Houston series even. Yeah, they, you know, they, they they could go toe-to-toe with Houston in terms of hitting, but how will starters one through three fare? Jordan Montgomery has been an absolute revelation. Dude has had an amazing playoff series. Uh, playoff run, excuse me, not even series. had an excellent run. Um, Andrew Heaney, you alluded to, he's, you know, he's coming in relief. He started yesterday's game. Played really well. Uh, John Gray, even out of the bullpen, you know, granted, he his regular season, he was his ERA was okay. It was like four point, I think it's four point twelve, something along those lines. It was okay. But he's done well in his limited action. Um Nate Evaldi, you know, it seems like any anytime he's not with the Yankees, he's just, or, or Red Sox, he's just doing unreal. <laughs> so, you know, we, we see what Nate Evaldi can do. Um, and one man, I think. You know, that if he didn't miss 40 plus games would have been at the front of the conversation, the NL MVP without question is Corey Seager. Corey Seager has had an amazing campaign that's continuing the playoffs. Now, there was a point yesterday in yesterday's game where he had three total hits in the World Series. All three were home runs. Right. What uh, amazing impact. Marcus Simeon, he struggled throughout the course of the divisional series was starting to hit the ball at a little bit better of a pace at a, in the championship series, but the World Series has been a revelation so far, living up to his big contract. Um, the Adoles Garcia thing's a tough blow because he he was – I think did, – did he set the record for most RBIs in in a playoff run? I he was close. Like I don't know if he said yeah. it, but he was right there. He probably would have gotten to it if he had played the distance. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that that's another powerful hitter in your lineup. You, you know, you pointed out Josh Young – Excellent young third baseman. You got him batting in the eight hole. Mitch Garver, even we didn't even talk about Mitch Garver before. He's been serviceable. A lot of these hitters are hitting over the 260 mark. And when your entire lineup is doing that, like there's no there's no uh shock that they put up 10 runs in a three-inning span yesterday. I mean, it's been nothing short of impressive. I'm in a tough position as a Mets fan because I I really want the ground to get his ring. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I'm rooting for that heavy. But at the same time, like at the same time, I don't like Max Scherzer. I, I'm sure you don't either, Eddie. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's what the inner conflict is here as a Met fan. 
Jacob DeGrom, I really want to see get a ring. Max Scherzer, I really don't, given the circumstances. I'm happy that the trade got the Mets Luis Angel Acuna, but the way Scherzer spoke about the team afterwards and the way he did not show up in the two biggest games of his Mets career and did not show up really at all this season, you know, it, it left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, just look how many former Mets are in this series too, by the way, you got Travis Jankowski with like, you know, I completely forgot he's with Texas. I'm going to be honest. Tommy Pham, one of the key cogs in Arizona's batting lineup. And he's for them. Um, Paul Seawald closing out games, former Mets legend at, at the closer spot. Right. You got Miguel Castro, Diamondbacks reliever. Like <laughs> You, you you name it like the you name a team there's a met there i mean there we got like five of them in this series so yeah there's I, a lot there's I, a lot there um miguel castro looked like a mets reliever in game four with the way he just started serving things up but uh congratulations to the rangers if they do end up locking it up again they've got three chances to clinch including two at home but they'll try to lock things up tonight in game five sending nate Evaldi out there against zach gallon That'll just about wrap up this episode. You brought up Tommy Pham. Uh, Let's talk about our Halloween costumes before we sign off. Uh, I went with the Frank the Tank look, and uh, Alec was my uh, Matt Piper Jenks, and both of them actually shouted out our costume, which was really cool. Uh, Brett. That was was awesome, bro. (laughs) I know. You know what? If you're going to dress up as someone, if you can get them to recognize your costume, I mean, that that makes the holiday. Um, Now, I don't know if you'd get a piece of bread to recognize you, but you were bread Hawn, so that was an iconic costume i appreciate it bro i appreciate it yeah well one of my one of my friends uh mike great guy he he, he texts me he's like bro you gotta go as bread bread hawn you gotta go as bread i'm like i'm like all right sure i'm like sure fine thirty dollars amazon got two Not uses bad. out of it went out to the middle of nowhere ohio and i and i had a party a party in new jersey got some solid use out of it so can't complain that is awesome uh, and that will wrap up this episode of Sports Speak Live. Next week, previewing the college basketball season. We've got some fun stuff planned for that, so you won't want to miss it. Uh, follow along. Our NASCAR Pick'em wraps up this weekend on X at Sports Speak Live. Tim has pretty much locked up that championship, um, but we'll see if any surprises happen at Phoenix. My NASCAR prediction, I think Christopher Bell is going to win the championship. We'll see. We'll talk about it next week. For Brett Hahn, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off of Sports Speak Live. Enjoy the start of your November, and we'll talk to you next week.